there are so many entrepreneurship support organizations that are doing an amazing job in Puerto Rico and no one knows about this because they're a nonprofit. They don't have money for marketing. And so I was like, how can I connect people better? And that was the aha moment for me. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change. In this podcast, you will meet ecosystem builders from all around the world who share their tactics and practices for transforming their communities through the power of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're headed to Puerto Rico to talk to Denise Rodriguez. Denise left her high-flying career on Wall Street to return to her home country, where she's now dedicated to making entrepreneurship more accessible for founders all across the island. Against the background of the bustling streets of San Juan, Denise shares which champions helped her build an island-wide ecosystem, and she talks about the opportunities that come with a population of 3 million and a diaspora of 5 million Puerto Ricans all around the world. Denise has a big vision for making this U.S. territory not just a place from which top talent graduates, but a place where top talent stays to build and work at startups that have the potential to transform the island state. And with that, off we go to Puerto Rico. Denise, if I were coming to your ecosystem for the first time, which I can't wait to come and see your ecosystem in person, where would you take me in order to show me around and show me what your entrepreneurial community is all about? I would try to show you spaces that represent various pockets of entrepreneurship activity and energy. So there's the startup and tech ecosystem, which is mainly located in two corners of the island. One is the San Juan area in Santurce, which is like the hip kind of now experiencing some gentrification, but you know, you know, kind of like how that goes, right? But it's like the artsy area and there's a lot of tech and startups and it's fun and, and good food and, and a lot of creatives there. And that's very exciting. We have co-working spaces there and, and our startup accelerator is there and it's, there's so much energy. And then there's the West Coast where our, the anchor there is our um, STEM university. It's world class. And so there's a lot of uh, an amazing hub of energy there in terms of STEM startups and, and activity. And then I would take you to the center of the island. There, it's the mountain region, the rural area. And it there was an inflection point after Hurricane Maria. And I think that um, that really sparked a lot of um entrepreneurship and community building around agriculture and food mm -hmm. security because that was the hurricane lifted the veil of how fragile our food security system is on the island so there's a lot of amazing stuff happening there and also i would take you to um, I, the south part of puerto rico there's a lot of historical and conservation and there's a lot of economic activity around that and solving problems around that so yeah, I think I think we would go and tour the whole 100 by 35 miles that our island spans. <laughs> awesome. I, I can't wait to actually get on a plane and be able to come and see it in person. Thank you so much. Denise, you first landed on my radar when we ran this campaign 
the Unsung Heroes of Ecosystem Building, I think a year and a half or two years ago now in 2019. I think so. And then the more I learned about you, the more I was amazed by everything that you did. And I think the most recent experience we had was working on a brief on the topic of mapping your entrepreneurial ecosystem. And you had explained how far you took this whole experience from, you know, whereas other people locked themselves in a conference room and put out some post-its about the different support organizations, you and your team actually got in the car, traveled the island and met entrepreneurial support organizations where they were. And you didn't just simply map and leave, but you actually curated those conversations in all these different local pockets to talk about what is working in these different regions of Puerto Rico, what isn't working, how you can collaborate. I was just amazed. I feel like every time you're on my radar, I learn something else about your approach that completely blows my mind and I want to put somewhere in a handbook on how to do ecosystem building really well. I'm so impressed. So there's there's my love song for you and all of your work. And then I was super surprised to find out that you were actually a very shy person growing up, which <laughs> as far as I've known you, you are far from shy. You're very thoughtful and considerate. But how did how did the shy... Denise turn into the executive director of the Puerto Rico Science, Technology and Research Trust and Colmena 66 and leading this charge of an island-wide entrepreneurial ecosystem. What happened in between those two? Are you still the same person? Well, first of all, Anika, thank you for your kind words because the fact that you talked with my peers across the United States and beyond and that you say that is very humbling. It's, it's, I feel very passionate about what I do. And sometimes I think we all have some imposter syndrome and you're like, well, this yeah. is just, this is just my day to day. But when someone like you who is able to see what everyone is doing around our, our arena and saying that, it's like, oh my God, thank you so much. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and to your question, I would say, yes. I think that it's um, coming from being a very shy person and just thinking twice about coming up to someone unknown and just chatting. That was so hard in the beginning. And now it's one of the things that I love to do the most, meeting new people and learning about them and hearing them out, coming from a, from a point of, I want to learn from you and I want to see how I can help you, whatever your journey is at. It definitely has been quite a journey to get to that point. And I think it's um, mainly my mother. <laughs> um, my mom helped me and, and really pushed me to get out of my shell. I think that if I would say, if I were to say, to point to, let's say, one thing that really helped me take the leap was, um, I would say, having the support of my mom backing me up and pushing me to get out of my comfort zone and say yes to opportunities that would expose me to other platforms and just, and just, and she was, you, you'll learn along the way. That's what she would tell me. She would tell me. And what's the worst that can happen? So having those words kind of, I, I hadn't thought about this before, Anika, but here you are with your amazing questions always. <laughs> and I think that that's the little voice that I always have in my head that be like, 
them that, that tell me, go ahead, go for it, say yes, and you'll figure it out along the way. Absolutely. And in one of the conversations we had, I remember you saying, well, that's what we teach entrepreneurs. We always say, stop thinking, just go ahead and do the thing. You will learn so much more by doing than you learn by just listening and thinking about it. So um, right. I 100% agree. And I'm not at all surprised that this is how you came to this conclusion, which is wonderful. <laughs> Since we're already talking about your journey, can you tell me a little bit more about the moment when you realize that supporting entrepreneurs as a single advocate and cheerleader and supporter was not going to be enough, but the moment in which you realized, oh, this is an ecosystem and this is how systems function and operate. This is how or why I want to build an ecosystem. When did that, when did you flip that switch? Was that one moment or was that a process of learning and understanding the power of ecosystems? Uh, I would say from a from my personal experience that aha moment came when I was in the process of um, bringing Kiva to Puerto Rico, the crowd lending platform that serves um, underserved entrepreneurs. It was not available up to 2014. It was not available for entrepreneurs in Puerto Rico. And so by by someone that someone in the states that was in Puerto Rico connected they connect she connected me with over at um, the headquarters in San Francisco we were able to make that happen and as I am talking to entrepreneurs and sharing with them this opportunity of fundraising or accessing capital through Kiva I started coming across some entrepreneurs that were perhaps not ready to start paying back a loan. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a 0% interest loan, they still have to pay back. So they were in that process of hitting the market. So I found myself, I, I didn't just want to let them, I, I, my, it, it was not enough for me to, add, to tell them, well, we'll talk later when you're ready. I felt the urge and the need, and I just couldn't do it any other way, to connect them to whoever could help them get to that spot so that we could meet again and take it from there. So that's when I start doing that research, calling someone that could tell me, you know, who was who. And I started learning about this incubator that could help them out. And, I, and so that's how when I started learning about who these people were, we started meeting. I started calling them to meet them for coffee and learn about their services. And that wasn't a how moment for me. I was like, the, there are so many entrepreneurship support organizations that are doing an amazing job in Puerto Rico, and no one knows about this because they're a nonprofit. They don't have money for marketing. And so I was like, how can I connect people better? And that was the aha moment for me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. What were some of the lessons you learned as you started out with this really genuine dedication to supporting entrepreneurs, whatever it takes, and then starting to connect the dots and bring different people on board and, and building those relationships. What were some of those lessons you learned as you started building out the ecosystem in Puerto Rico? I think for this process, it was key to have champions. So I was the new kid on the block, <laughs> right? I came from Wall Street, and all that baggage that that entails when you come to a new space like this. I was lucky to start this journey hand in hand with 
two amazing women that are trailblazers and opened this up for me. One is Lucy Crespo, which is the CEO of the organization that I belong to, which is the Puerto Rico Science, Technology, and Research Trust. And she's one of the most important thought leaders on the island, like her recognition and um, people really look up to her for everything she's done. Um, and number two, Sophia Stolberg, which is the founder of the first co-working space on the island and also the first coding school on the island. She's an yeah. amazing ecosystem builder. And, and so they, before I started working on Colmena 66, and I was just, you know, um, another, another player in the ecosystem, they were working on bridging the big gap of how do we integrate and consolidate all this activity mm -hmm. in a way that works for entrepreneurs. And it didn't even have a name back then, but they had, they were already meeting with all the big players making sure that we were, that they were, I wasn't even in the room yet. Yeah. They were hearing them out, asking, basically validating the gap and the need and the potential solution, which today we know as Colmena 66, which is an affiliate of SourceLink. So we were, they were working hand in hand with Maria Myers back in 2014, 2015 on this. So when I, when I entered the room, hand in hand with them, there was already a collective buy-in from the ecosystem that something like Colmena was necessary. So it was it was easier to consolidate that support. Now the challenge was she better deliver. So I so and so that was I wanted to make sure that that responsibility and uh, was carried out correctly and I exceeded expectations. That was kind of like my main goal once I entered the room. But I do have to say that I was lucky that that, that there was a, a buy-in, a collective buy-in from the ecosystem that, okay, yes, let's show, show me what you have. <laughs> oh, what is the hardest thing you had to overcome since you stepped into those shoes of Colmena 66? I would say that when there is nothing that is like you, it's you, when there's something new, a new product, a new service, uh, something, it's humans. We tend to explain in, in sense of in comparison to, oh, this is like this, but better. The, I think the hardest thing about Colmena is saying Colmena is unlike anything else. <laughs> and so having to put words and explaining what we do. Because that translates to how do we explain to entrepreneurs what what we can do for them. And that also plays into our objectives. What should Colmena 66 be doing? And it's a blank slate, which can be very scary for some people. For me, it's very exciting. It's a great challenge. It's like, oh my God, I can do something totally new that has never been done on the island. But the scary part of it is I need to look elsewhere for models to see how and not very and, and not because we don't have the talent here. Quite the contrary. We do. We're just trying to make sure that we do things that haven't been done before so that Puerto Rico's ecosystems goes on to the next level. So I would say that that's the challenge, not having a reference and kind of like piggybacking on something that's been done before. 
But at the same time, I would say that I would argue that that's also the most ex- exciting thing because it has accelerated the need for me to connect with peers like you and others outside so that I can learn from you. Absolutely. Um, Denise, tell us a story of what Colmena 66 means and then give us a bit more insight into how you're currently serving the ecosystem. What is your role in the ecosystem in relationship to other entrepreneurial support organizations? So our name, our name comes from uh, Colmena is beehive in Spanish. And the number 66 is the longitude where, where Puerto Rico is located on the map. And that name, it was an amazing creative experience of coming up with that. I called up on some uh, of the most amazing minds in the creative industries in Puerto Rico. And they did not hesitate to say yes to my invitation to have a brainstorming event pro bono and come up with names. So we filled out a room again with a huge number of post-its across the walls with some ideas for names. And um, I remember Selena Nogueras, who is the founder of MOA, a digital agency in Puerto Rico. She came up with the name Colmena. And I loved it. And it's basically kind of um, the analogy of it being Colmena, the beehive being the hub where all the the resources are integrated and assembled, right? And the bees, which are so important for our survival, the bees are our entrepreneurs, right? And they come to the beehive for what they need and they get on, you know, continue working hard. And so that's basically kind of where it all stems from. (laughs) <laughs> I love the name. This is so excellent. Um, share a little bit more about how you are supporting the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Puerto Rico. Yes. Uh, so basically what we do mainly is um, Puerto Rico has been experiencing a series of crises uh, decades long, and it's only exacerbated, exacerbated the need for strengthening our support community for entrepreneurs. We've been having to step in even more. Our nonprofit, public sector, and uh, um, and academia coming together to create that. So there are that has resulted in an increasing amount of incubators, accelerators, and and new support organizations that has been very beneficial. But at the same time, when you think about it from the entrepreneurship pers- entrepreneurs perspective, and again, we always have to see this from the entrepreneurs perspective, right? It becomes when when you have when you go to a restaurant and you have a really really big menu, you you know it's kind of harder to make decisions, right? <laughs> Absolutely, I run into that all the time. Yes, me too. So um, so the for the entrepreneurs, it's even more tedious to know which door should I knock on, and it's basically because you know how resources assemble and gravitate and are formed around types of businesses and depending on the stage of the business that you're at, right? So it's really hard to navigate that if you don't know anything about that. So um, we do that research for our entrepreneurs. We map that out and we also translate that in very simple, plain Spanish language so that entrepreneurs can be better educated about what's out there. And then we go a step further. We have a hotline and we have various channels so that we can have 
direct contact with these entrepreneurs, make a very initial initial assessment of what they need, and then we connect them with the right resource at the right time. And then we take that a step even further and we track that, we measure that, trying to quantify that in terms of impact for the island. From the top of your head, do you remember any of those indicators that you are trying to track with those entrepreneurs? Yes. And this is where the challenges are coming in and where, you know, what I'm thinking about 2022 and we want to, what we want to tackle. And I think that data, data is where I want to center a lot of our efforts at Colmena 66. And it's going to be collaborative because this is a huge challenge to tell you, to give you an example Puerto Rico, because of our status, territorial status, we're not sovereign, we're territory. And, you know, there's a whole, a whole conversation about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are, Puerto Rico is not visible, neither on national indices of entrepreneurship or economic development. We're just not there. Oh, because we're not a state. So we're not going to include Puerto Rico on this index for some reason, but we're not, we're not visible either on global ones. Because we're not sovereign. <laughs> so when you look at any report or study out there, Puerto Rico is invisible. So it's really hard for us to track how are we doing again, you know, when, when we measure ourselves against other jurisdictions. And, and so we're trying to identify how to tackle that. And that's a combination of do we um, make our own index? or studies, and then we publish that, and then we try to see how that would compare to other jurisdictions, yeah. or and or, or both, do we, how do we reach out to these organizations and try to advocate for Puerto Rico's inclusion into these at the Science Trust in collaboration with our Institute of Statistics and other organizations that I'm sure would, government and, and academia, I'm sure we would all come in together to um, learn about the methodology of those organizations and make sure that we gather the data and analyze it in a way that complies with those requirements so that we can be included. Yeah. And it has been so hard to, to work on that, that I think that we need more focus and more resources so that we can move the needle in the right direction. Absolutely. Thank you for taking us on that journey. I don't think that most of us are even aware of such an issue because it doesn't affect so many of us here in the mainland United States and even for those folks in uh, Latin America or over in Europe. And they're missing out. Everybody who's listening to this, if you don't know what's happening in Puerto Rico, you are missing out. Go check out Colmena 66 and learn what's going on over there. Um, I agree with you. And I will say on top of that, data and impact measurement is so hard in ecosystem building because we have these traditional economic development indicators which say something but aren't always the most relevant ones to capture the work that we're doing at the grassroots of supporting entrepreneurs and filling that pipeline and nurturing that culture for entrepreneurs to thrive in. So I can yeah. tell you, at least you are not alone in this. And I imagine that not even having benchmarks makes it even harder. Right. And that's why I am plugged into every space where this conversation is being had, Kaufman Foundation and others. And so yeah. I'm plugged in 
to learn how others figure it out. And so we can kind of model that as well and integrate it into our plan. Because of the trick, the, the trickle effect of this, it even affects how our grassroots entrepreneurship support organizations even ask for funding. Because the first thing you have to do for a proposal is justify that with data. So you can imagine the multiplier effect that this would have. I do want to plug that uh, your impact report came out at the end of 2021. So I yes. will make sure we'll link to that in the show notes so people can take a look. And sort of jumping off of that, what are your dreams, your hopes for the future of the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Puerto Rico? Where would you like to see it go? Oof. Um, I have very ambitious goals. <laughs> I am not surprised. So, <laughs> so this might, this might be a goal. This might, this is going to be something that's going to take a few years, but we need, mm -hmm. we need to start building for the future and that takes time. We have, uh, some huge challenges. One of them is tech talent. Puerto Rico produces and develops world-class talent. Our universities, um, graduate thousands of STEM students, and 90% of them leave the island the next day they graduate to earn three times more than they could earn here. And so we know that it's hard to compete with that. So one of the things that we know that has to happen is create really good opportunities on the island, high-paying jobs. I know that it, they would never be the same as the States, but with some benefits of being close to family and whatnot, we hope that that creates some sort of, you know, um, incentive for a lot of this talent to stay. And we've done a lot, we've, we've moved the needle in the right direction massively in the past five years, mainly because of the development of, uh, of organizations such as the only global startup accelerator on the island that is developing startups that are exciting mm -hmm. for a lot of these young people to work at. So we've seen a lot of these young people, how uh, uh, students and um, how they start as interns and they end up being a founder at the startup uh, accelerator a few years later. And that's a beautiful thing that we need to work more at. We have um, a coding school on the island that is, you know, it's also trying to work on that direction. We have, there's a nonprofit organization that developed Uh, an initiative called the Comeback. Um, and it's to talk to our 5 million diaspora, Puerto, Rico, Puerto Ricans in the diaspora. To put it in context, there are 3 million Puerto Ricans on the island and there are 5 million Puerto Ricans outside the island. And they are all, most of them are graduates from the island. They're professionals, mm -hmm. they're entrepreneurs, and they are willing to give back. And some of them would be willing to come back if they are presented with the right opportunity, whether it's job or to start to, to start their business here or to grow from here. Um, so, you know, just pointing out some ideas that have are being worked at and in trying to bridge this gap of how do we continue putting together the necessary opportunities in place for our talent to be retained or to get that talent circulating back to the island. That is very ambitious. And I love it because I think that brain drain is a real challenge for an island, for a lot of rural communities. Yes. So um, I'm super excited to follow along over the next at least decade to see 
what kind of progress you're making and how yes. all of this is shaking out. And aside from, you know, for a business to thrive, you need good access to talent, good access to capital and markets, right? So yep. I think that the other challenge that we need to tackle is access to capital. To give you uh, just a quick stat, in the past less than 10 years, in the past eight years, our banking system on the island has been reduced from about 10 banks to three. Oh. They have been tipping over because of the fiscal crisis. So as you can imagine, that has also hindered lending. And so when you go out to access capital, even though on one hand, we've had uh, a great success on building private investment where there was none 10 years ago, there are now many more funds, private equity and venture capital. However, on the lending side, financing, which is all, it's a very important component, especially for traditional businesses. It is drying up. So I know that there, there are uh, really good efforts being carried out by SBA to deploy their programs to other financial institutions that are cooperatives, financial cooperatives. And so that's an interesting way to address that gap. So I'm excited to see how that's, that works out. Fantastic. All right, everybody who's listening, if you're in the lending space for small businesses and early stage entrepreneurs and you don't know yet what's happening in Puerto Rico, I think you need to hop over there or get in touch with Denise to have these conversations. And I'll be standing by cheering from the sidelines. Hey, friends, while I have you here, I wanted to extend a little invitation. Join me over on socialventures.com, my professional home and place of sanity, to catch up on the hundreds of conversations I've had with ecosystem builders over the years. You can find out what I'm researching, which events I'm excited about, and how you can work with me. Grab my starter kit for ecosystem builders and join my upcoming masterclass, Ecosystem Building 101, at the end of February 2022. And now, back to the show. Denise, I want to change direction a little bit. Um, You've already hinted at this a little bit, and I want to drill a little bit deeper into this work asks a lot of us, right? I think in terms of bringing people together, constantly building relationships, even if it comes natural to you, I know that you never turn this work off of building the ecosystem and thinking about what entrepreneurs need. What do you do when the going gets tough, where do you draw your energy and how do you make sure you don't burn out in this process of building your ecosystem? Hmm, very good question. I think that my team, my team is that safe space for me mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, sharing the burden and venting together and dividing and conquering and grabbing ideas and like sharing ideas of how how are we going to tackle this challenge together i have the luxury and the privilege of working with an amazing team of individuals at Colmena 66 and and broader at the time stressed as well that they they provide a lot of support to what the programs do and so you know being able to huddle and, you know, vent and then be like, okay, what idea? How do we fix this together? And then implementing that together all the way to celebrating having done that. And that is everything, right? Being able to work with an amazing team of, of, of individuals that are 
as committed, as passionate about ecosystem building as we all are. And then there's the need to just shut everything off and go on to family, which is an even safer place. And so there, you know, my husband, now my daughter and my mom, my brothers, that's where I go off to detox, kind of like not think about anything yeah. and then recharge. <laughs> that's so important. Um, in doing that, either going to the beach together or going over to the mountain area where my mom lives in the rural area, it, it helps a lot. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm really glad to hear you have this haven that you can escape to and just recharge and step away from the work a little bit so you can show up again when you come back. I know that you, like Michelle Arevalo Carpenter, are part of the Global Shapers community, which is awesome. I'd love to hear more about that. And I'm interested in general, what does professional development look like for you, especially being on the island, being not at the epicenter in the US when Latin America How do you make sure that you keep learning and expanding your skill set? Yes. So um, tackling your first question in, in terms of the Global Shapers, um, being uh, invited to be part of the Global Shapers community, which is a community of the World Economic Forum, was a game changer for me. It really took my career to another level. When I joined this community, I was working in the public sector. And I was in that process of identifying what was next, because even though I was doing something or working, I wanted to think that what I was doing was potentially going to impact three million people, right? Yeah. And so that really is exciting for me. And I feel like that's a purposeful endeavor. Change was not happening at the pace that I wanted it to happen. <laughs> and, and, you know, and everyone that's in the public sector can totally um, agree with that, right? And I think that that's where I started looking at, what can I do next? And here comes the Global Shaper community. At that point, there were like 200 hubs around the, the globe. San Juan was one of them. And I was one of the founding members, along with seven other amazing individuals. And I start meeting other young people in their 20s that were doing amazing stuff across the whole world. And I started learning about them. And when I met them over at Geneva at our curators meeting, where we met with 200 of us, one person representing each hub around the world met at Geneva. Anika, when I started having conversation with these amazing individuals, the imposter syndrome kicked in, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I am, I was like, I am not doing anything with my life. Here comes this young man who is putting together a clean water system for his community. <laughs> and this other amazing woman is changing the, the lives of women in her community. And so I was like, I need to do something that's more for purpose, for purpose, and I can really feel like I'm giving back in a meaningful, sustainable way. And at that same time, an opportunity opens up to join the board of directors of an organization that is supporting entrepreneurs on the island. And I was invited to join, not because of Denise Rodriguez, but because 
one of the seats is reserved for the organization that I was a part of and no one wanted to be there. Or, or at least no one was asking to fill that seat. I asked the president of the government bank that I worked at, so can I represent the bank in that seat? And he was like, oh, oh, sure. Write the letter and I'll make it happen. I, I think that if I had not been at the Global Shapers community, maybe I had not had the drive to go after this opportunity that was that was available. Being part of these board of directors meetings at Grupo Guayacan, which is the name of this organization, that was the first time that I learned what entrepreneurship really was, what a startup was, and, and started meeting entrepreneurs that were starting businesses. Yeah. And that was the exact inflection point where I, and that aha moment where I said, I want to be part of this, whatever this is called, whatever this is, how can I be part of this? <laughs> That's fantastic. And it really brings us back to what you said earlier. You can hem and ha and think about things, or you can throw your, put yourself out there and just start doing what your intuition tells you, what you feel called to do. And then a lot of things will often fall into place. Apart from the Global Shapers community, how else do you make sure you keep learning and developing and growing? In the past few years, for me, it has been really exciting and beneficial to be plugged into what our peers are doing in spaces such as Kaufman Foundation and how, how these uh, communities, uh, you know, startup champions and, and such, how when these communities come together and we share best practices and people like you put together documentation like this that we can learn from our peers, um, our field of work, it is not studied and it is not documented uh, until recently. Yeah. So um, that even affects how I explain to my mom what I do for a living. Like, so yeah. what do you do for a living? So now, <laughs> now we know that we are ecosystem builders and that was not a thing before. And now we can explain what that is. So being plugged into that really helps shape a lot of my learning yeah. and my knowledge and then my doing. Second, and this is a challenge that I am now experiencing, you know, mm -hmm. I, I did not do a master's degree. I have a bachelor's degree. And just when I was thinking about and, and, and applying for my MBA, in comes the opportunity to start working on social innovation and entrepreneurship. And I stayed and went that route. And here I am and, and no regrets. But yes, I have been recently thinking maybe it's because I became a mom and you want to give you know, you want to give the best example yeah. of what reaching your highest potential is to your daughter. Um, I have been giving some thought of whether to do a master's and, and now that everything is available online. And, and, and so I've been starting to research what kind of new programs are out there that can help me, that can help me scale my work as an ecosystem builder. Uh, putting together entrepreneur-led economic development strategies. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to see where you take that and where you find a good place to build on that skill set and, and expand it. That's wonderful. Denise, before we get to the final three questions that are sort of the rapid fire round, which we'll do in a minute, I just want to let our listeners know they can find you at colmena 66 dot 
www.kalmena.com. And the same Kalmena 66 on Instagram and Facebook. They can find you on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, what is the best way of getting in touch with you? Um, I would say that um, through social media at Kalmena 66, that's if that's the easiest way. And also, I'm happy to put down also my email and I'm very accessible. I, I know, I think that even my cell phone number is, you can Google it. It's everyone has <laughs> right. it. So <laughs> yes, I, I try to live the spirit of Colmena 66, which is being like super accessible for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Our rapid fire round are three questions where I start a sentence and you finish it for me. Are you ready? Okay, let's go for it. <laughs> All right, awesome. Number one, ecosystem building is? At the intersection of economic and community building. Oh, perfect, thank you. Number two, an ecosystem builder everyone should know about is? Um, I want to highlight someone from the island, and I would say Sofia Stolberg. Uh, the founder of Piloto 151, our first co-working space, and also the founder of our first coding school. And it's basically because even before entrepreneurship ecosystem was even spoken about in Puerto Rico, here she was working with Daniel Eisenberg on a project to work on this on the island back in 2010. Unfortunately, the island was not ready for this. So it didn't, didn't go any further. But she, she went elsewhere to other parts of Colombia and Africa to work on this, did amazing things there. And in 2014, not the island was then ready for this. And that's when we started Colmena. Fantastic. That's amazing. Thank you. I can't wait to talk to her. Hopefully I can have her on the show at some point oh. and uh, learn from her perspective. All right. The third question and the last one. What resource a book, a podcast, a show, etc., that influenced you that you would recommend to other ecosystem builders? Yes. There's Kaufman Foundation's eShip playbook. So good. It's so rich in terms of information. And uh, I really recommend it to all ecosystem builders. And I'm looking forward to your podcast, Anika, because... You have really, you know everything that's happening and you know so many people that I'm really excited about uh, listening to what all of these amazing individuals have to say through your platform. Me too. I can't wait, which is why it's so exciting that you were here at the beginning. I knew when I thought about creating this podcast that I would have to have you on here for you to share your experience. So I'm super glad we could make this work. Denise, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to stay in touch and see all the amazing things that you are going to create for Puerto Rico and beyond. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Anika. Amazing chatting with you as always. Find out more about the work Denise does at colmena66.com and find Colmena66 on Instagram and Facebook. You can connect with Denise through LinkedIn or hop on the plane to see her work on the ground. Before we finish up today, I want to pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging. As traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, I honor the Tuscarora, Shakori, Soponi, Okanichi, Lumbi and Ino people. I recognize a continuing connection to land, water, and community. 
This episode was produced by Yellow House Media. 